The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? No disciple is superior to the teacher, but when fully trained, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove that splinter in your eye when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own eye. You hypocrite. Remove the wooden beam from your eye first. Then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. A good tree does not bear rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit. For people do not pick, fig pick figs from thorn bushes, nor do they gather grapes from brambles. A good person, out of the store of goodness in his heart, produces good. But an evil person, out of a store of evil, produces evil. From the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Gospel of the Lord. From the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's a dangerous thing for a guy to read before he preaches. <laughs> but consider the things that fly out of our mouths without our thinking. And what those things say about the state of our hearts. The issue of speech and how speech doesn't merely convey information or opinion, but speech manifests the state of one's character and the quality of one's heart, runs through our readings today. And this is vitally important because the one who is saying this is Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God made flesh. He is that speaking from the fullness of the heart of the Eternal Father, which has come to us. In Jesus, we see the speech that discloses the heart of God himself. And he who is that speaking of God looks at us with reference to what issues forth from our hearts. And sometimes to engage just what it is that Jesus is getting at with these striking examples from, his, from the gospel, it can help to have a visual aid. And so full disclosure, when I was a kid in school, my favorite class was show and tell. So the Lord is speaking about a beam and an eye and a splinter and an eye. And oddly, a beam is actually a bigger board than this but that would be dangerous for me to try and run around with one. 
But sometimes, silly as it can be, the visual example that the Lord is using can help. Because Jesus also does use humor in his speaking. Scripture is filled with moments of humor where the Lord points out something ridiculous about us that we miss because we're so locked into this is all deadly serious, we miss the point that God is making which involves our ability to laugh at ourselves and to recognize the silliness that lives within us. So I'm going to take advantage of my friend Mr. O'Connor sitting here in the front row who is now very nervous. <laughs> and I am going to say, John, brother, you have a splinter in your eye. I've noticed it. Let me help you take it out. And you notice that not only would I be incapable of reaching his eye, I would actually hurt him. Because the beam would be biffing him in the head as I tried to get close to him. Note the example Jesus is saying, you're like that. He's right, we're all like that. We notice the small things that are wrong with everybody else. How many of us get so very upset when something little happens to us? Isn't it amazing how tiny inconveniences can provoke almost a volcanic reaction within us? How easy it is when we live with one another to dwell on the small and petty wrongs and grievances and mistakes of life. And when we focus on those things, what are we missing? There's some big things in me that need to be corrected. Some big things in me that need to change including whatever might be the source of that anger that comes up so easily and so readily. And you see, the other part of this parable is not the craziness of saying, John, let me help you with that splinter. It's that I don't even know I've got this going on. See, that's the other part. Jesus is saying, you do this because you don't even realize you got the beam in your eye. You're walking around like this. Well, of course we're blind people then. Because it's hard to have a plank in your eye and say, I see perfectly and I see well. But there's something about how we live that makes us numb to the reality. And so here I am stumbling through life, the beam hitting everything around me. And for some reason... I don't pay it any attention. It's been there so long, I'm used to it. I'm used to the pain. I'm used to the awkwardness. I'm used to the difficulty. I'm used to the way it's banging other people in the head or banging off of other people's planks. So imagine the world Jesus is describing. Everybody's walking around like this, and our planks are bouncing off of one another. And even while that's happening, we're saying, man, that splinter you got, we got to do something about that. And, you know, this is, and we can't help but laugh at that. That's a ridiculous, mad vision of the world. And the crazy thing is, he's entirely correct. It's how the world works. It's 
how our hearts work, in our pettiness, in our selfishness, in our foolishness, in our pride, in our vanity, we, we get like that. And we live with it so long we stop noticing it. This is why the great spiritual writers reflecting on passages like this have always agreed Really coming to know ourselves is one of the foundation stones of a healthy spiritual life. Knowing the real truth about ourselves, not the truth we wish was there, not the truth we try to fool others into believing is there, but the real truth. And the truth of the matter is the human heart is blind in this odd way. And so note how that recasts what Jesus says about a blind person leading a blind person. Where are they going to go? How are they going to find their way? How is a world, people walking around with beams in their eyes, going to help each other find their way to goodness? before we can correct the small faults in our neighbors, before we waste too much energy on the small things that go wrong around us, the Lord says, it really is worth taking the time to fix the big things that stop us short, that knock us off course. And the first thing is to recognize it. And so here, note the power of the humor of Jesus by beginning to laugh at how silly I am. You see, sometimes you have to slow down and really imagine what Jesus is talking about because it's so absolutely and marvelously ridiculous that that's the point. That that is, in fact, the message. But when I see it, then I'm not going to forget the image. I'm not going to forget that picture. And now I recognize there's something in me I need to begin looking at. First things first, as the old proverb goes, physician, heal thyself. Before I can help my brother, and know what Jesus says. He doesn't say, never help your brother with that splinter. But he does say, if that's what you really want to do, get rid of this bad boy first because then you'll be able to see what is really wrong. Then you'll be able to see where the problem really is. But as long as this is in my eye, all I can do is guess and grope and bang my plank against somebody else's. And nobody gets anywhere that way. What a remarkable, absolutely remarkable image that is. And how very important for us in the world we live in. Because we live at an angry moment of history where everybody is aggrieved in some way, where everybody feels wounded in some way, and not to dismiss those feelings. But let's be honest. When we listen to the speaking of the world around us, it's angry. And we're surrounded by it. And one of the things we have to be careful of is what are we listening to? 
Because if all I am hearing is angry, frightened, vindictive speaking, sooner or later that is what is filling the reservoir of my heart. If all I am seeing are my insecurities and what bothers me, I am filling my heart with a reservoir of bitterness. And would it then be surprising that my speaking becomes as angry as that of the world around me? Would it then be surprising that my heart becomes as frightened as this fear-ridden world around me? We live in a world where there is much posturing, where we all try to appear good without bothering to be good. And the Lord is saying, living in such a world, if that's what I surround myself with, if that's what I content myself with, why should I be surprised if that is the reservoir out of which I am acting? And so going from the image of the beam in the eye, the Lord moves, echoing what we hear in our first reading to what is actually in our hearts. From the storehouse of good in his heart, the good man produces good fruit. From the storehouse of bitterness in his heart, the bitter man produces bitter fruit. From the storehouse of greed in his heart, the greedy man produces nothing but greed. From the storehouse of resentment in his heart, the resentful man produces anger. That's the fruit. The resentful tree doesn't produce the fruit of gentleness. The bitter tree does not produce the fruit of pleasantness and peacefulness. The angry tree does not produce the fruit of gentleness or mercy. The impatient tree does not produce the fruit of patience. What a powerful, powerful teaching this is. And so now the Lord is saying, know yourself. Listen to what you say with the words that escape your lips and with the words that you say to yourself quietly when you're alone. Listen to the things you wish you could say if you could give that person a piece of your mind. Look at your actions, the Lord says. And ask yourself, what do they really say about me? Where are they coming from? But an interesting examination of conscience, that is. Rather than simply looking and saying, what sins did I commit? Beginning with, what did I do and why did I do that? What have I been saying or thinking? And where has that been coming from inside of me? And how did that get inside of me? And note how important that is. Note how important that is. Because the natural impulse that goes back to Adam and Eve in the garden 
is even when we know we're wrong, we want to blame everyone else. Adam and Eve do that in the Garden of Eden, pointing the finger of blame everywhere but at themselves. The original beam in the original eyes. The original plank that doesn't want to face itself. And the Lord says this, not to frighten us, not to make us feel miserable, but because He wants more for us and if we're honest, we want better for ourselves too. Because as bitter as we can be, none of us likes being bitter. We get used to it. We don't know how to live without it sometimes. As frightened as we can be, we don't like to be scared. But the fear becomes so familiar, that's how we structure our lives. As lazy as we can be. We'd rather be doing something important or useful or good. Oh, but the laziness is so comfortable, so useful. We don't like it, but we're used to it and we stop noticing it. And so Jesus speaks in this way to simply say, the tree of your life, the tree of your family, what fruit? What fruit is it producing? And for most of us, it's a mixed bag. There are some good pieces of fruit and some that are not nearly so good. But wouldn't we like it all to be good? And here then, we come to that issue of speech. And the remarkable line in that text from Sirach of our first reading is that speech is a test of the heart. Normally when scripture speaks of test and the image of fire and being proven, it's talking about struggle and difficulty and trial in that way. And yet Sirach says, speaking, simply talking, is the test of the heart. And why? Because when something goes wrong, what am I saying? When something goes right, what am I saying? When everything is normal, what am I talking about? And how often are my words negative? Because the negative word is so easy, and the good word is so hard. How often are my words merely trivial? How often do I say something that is truly uplifting? How often do I say something that's the fruit of my prayerfulness, the fruit of, fruit of my reflectiveness? I know how disturbingly often I can speak out of the fruit of my impatience. I know how disturbingly often I can speak out of the fruit of my misspent time. But how often, how often are my words flowing from someplace deep and genuine and truly good within me. And this is not to say that never, but note how important that question is and what an interesting way of gauging the quality of my life and the state of my heart. Because what is speech at its very best? And see, and this is the tragedy in our world today where we are surrounded with empty, shallow talk. 
Speech that comes from no place deep. Speech that often comes from no place good. We think then that that is the normal way of communicating. But Jesus is the word that God speaks from his heart. And the Lord says to us, to live well is to manifest in actions and in words what lies deep in our hearts. What is that? What an important question that is. What a wonderful question that is. And how good that we ask that question here. Because what Jesus does is he takes this beam that we have in our eyes and he nails himself to it. And he dies on it to free us from it and to give us the grace to let it down. And he does that in such a way that he who dies on the beam of the world's blindness rises on Easter Sunday as the true son of justice, light for the world, and he's going to be right here. And beam in my eye or not, in just a few minutes I'm going to hear Father Pete say, behold, which means open your eyes and take a look. Beam or not, splinter or not in my eye, we're all going to be called to look and to see him. And he who is the word that comes from the heart of God is going to be on this altar. And from this altar, Jesus, who is the word that comes from the heart of God the Father, it's going to come right here. And he who comes from the heart of God the Father is going to wait for you to come forward. Beam in the eye or not, he's inviting you to come forward. And when you hear those words, the body of Christ, and you say amen, stretch out your hands and don't worry about the beam because he's going to get there. The beam in your eye won't stop him from getting there. And when you receive him, you're going to have in your heart, in your life, whatever else is there, a fountain of real goodness. Note how marvelous that is. We don't have to speak out of only a goodness we've acquired for ourselves. Because he is willing to be that goodness. He is willing to be that patience. He is willing to be that gentleness if we let him. So when we hear those words at the end of the Mass, go in peace, it's to go and to speak and to act out of the fountain of goodness in the heart, the reserve of goodness in the heart, the treasury of goodness in the heart out of which the good person bears good fruit. And so no one of us has an excuse. No one of us can say, I've got no fountain of goodness inside of me. No one of us can say, I can't do that because I don't have that fountain. That's why we do this every Sunday. So that fountain is always replenished. 
But part of receiving Holy Communion well is living Holy Communion well outside. Letting the goodness that we receive express himself from us. And note how wonderful that is. The word that comes from the heart of God comes to us, to our hearts. So that the word that comes from the heart of God out of our hearts can touch the world. And the beam in the eye prevents us from seeing that. That's why Jesus is so strong with this. Note how great that is and what that says about us. Take the beam out of your eye, and then you will see. And when you look in the mirror without the beam, you'll see yourself for the first time for real. How wonderful that would be. Amen.